We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream. All right, welcome in. Happy New Year's. It is good to be back. I would like to start off the podcast by apologizing for not doing a Century Tournament of Champions solo preview on Sunday. To be honest with you guys, that is probably the hardest podcast for me to do week in and week out. I'm very, very fortunate enough to get to do a lot of traveling for golf experiences and I was in Palm Springs playing a beautiful course out there. And then when it was time to leave on, uh, on Sunday morning, it started pouring. There was a torrential downpour. We got delayed. It took me double the time to get home. And I just wasn't ready to rock and roll with the Sunday preview. With that being said, uh, I have a full course preview on uh, rickrungood.com where you can check out all of my thoughts on the course. Huge Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw fan over here. So I spoke a lot about them as architects and what that could mean in terms of the types of players that could succeed on this type of architecture. Uh, the podcast that I'm about to do right now with Patrick McDonald, we may talk a touch of century at the end, maybe give like our quick picks, but uh, this is more about a proper preview of the 2023 golf season. Um, I wanted to do a, you know, a major, a check-in just at where we are at in the golf world, including, including major storylines, right? So Patrick McDonald, for those who don't know, is a fantastic golf writer for CBS. He works hand-in-hand with Kyle Porter, who was on the podcast a few months ago. He's now featured prominently on The First Cut, one of my favorite golf podcasts, of course, with Rick Gaiman. Speaking of Rick Gaiman, I would be remiss not to mention before we get started that this podcast is presented to you by RickRungood.com. A lot of incredibly cool stuff happening on the site right now. I've alluded to this before, but we are going to have a pretty big update coming in early January. It hasn't hit yet. It might hit Sony week. It might hit the week after, but there's a chance that the price is going to go up because of that. 
So if you buy it now, um, you're not going to have to pay the extra price when we beef up all of these things to the site. So I would highly recommend that now is a perfect, perfect time to sign up for rickrungood.com. Type in Andy in the coupon code. That is how they know that I sent you, and that is what helps me out a lot in this scenario, which I, of course, always greatly appreciate. So head on over to rickrungood.com right now, and we would love to have you as part of the team. We are going to have a custom model building experience that I can confidently say is the most comprehensive, uh, not just to all of its competitors, but to pretty much everything that anything that I've seen. Rick and I spent a lot of time with this, especially Rick, but I basically said, hey, I am in the top 0.001 percentile in terms of you know, people that care about the in-depth nature of some of these statistics. We were basically inventing our own stats um, at certain points. But I mean, truly, I'm I'm so proud to be a part of that team. And I'm so proud to be associated with a site um, and a guy like Rick that is working absolutely tirelessly to make this the best statistical PGA Tour fantasy focused bet focused uh website in existence so sign up today coupon code andy and i think that's all we got at the top let's bring in patrick mcdonald all right patrick mcdonald is here golf writer for cbs sports the first cut podcast patrick it's an honor to be joined by you today i could not think of a better person to talk 2023 storylines with me. So thank you for joining me on this on this Monday evening. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. So Andy, I have a question for you off the bat. First Whoa. off, thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> How long is too long to say Happy New Year? I think we've got like three more days to be three honest with you. I, I don't really understand the mid-January Happy New Year's. I, I might stretch it into February just to be that guy, you know? Right. Yeah, but you know, once we get into February, then it's like, isn't it, you know, happy Valentine's Day or just <laughs> of something of that sort? We're, we're leaving Valentine's Day in 2022. <laughs> I think I'm in a similar boat as you on that one, unfortunately, but that's a whole other podcast. So today, here's the plan. We're going to do something a little more fun. Maybe we'll Ask Patrick for his a pick or two for the Century Tournament of Champions uh, a little bit towards the end, but something I was more interested in doing because I didn't I didn't really get to do this in December. I did a lot of fun pods in December previewing the majors, uh, but I just wanted to zoom out for a second and talk about like we're each going to give the five we'll say most interesting or the five things that we are most interested to watch this year in 2023. I think this is a fascinating year for golf. I think you could say that golf is at a bit of a crossroads right now. So I thought it would be fun to maybe share our opinion on some of the things we're most excited and curious about 
for the upcoming year. So essentially the format is I told Patrick, I said, we're each going to go with five storylines. I didn't, I didn't want to know what his were. So we're going blind into this. I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, right? Like I'm sure we're probably both going to have live stuff in there. So there's probably maybe a few honorable mentions that we'll get to, but uh, that's the plan for today, my friend. How's that sound? Let's do it. Yeah. I know we were talking beforehand about, uh, you know, having some fun with it, maybe some less serious ones. <laughs> I have a list of things that to leave in 2022. Just put Valentine's <laughs> Day on it. There's five extra. We might be able to get to those at the end as well. <laughs> do you want to lead off with number five? Uh, fuck it. Sure. Yeah. So you, you, you said it, we're going to talk live. So I'll, I'll kick it off with them. And, uh, there, there's a number of question marks, but my storyline for them is how much will the four aces sell for this upcoming year? And I know you got <laughs> OWGR, you got TV contracts, but what, what's the market price for a franchise in live golf going to be? And you think about it, you got LeBron James, KD, Tom Brady, they all just got into pickleball teams, right? Those expansion fees are about a million dollars. <laughs> Is Liv going to check in below or above pickleball? I, th I think it's a fair question because if they want to make this economically viable, they want to sell their 12 teams. And are they going to have to compromise for OWGR, right? Maybe they have to ax the teams to get the points. They're in a real get conundrum Get back in touch here. with the Minotaur. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a lot of question marks, and I think I know I know you're laughing, and it's funny, but how much is a franchise going to cost someone, and who the hell is going to buy them? Right? right? Is it going to be someone who just wants to like a Jeff Bezos just because he can type of deal? <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not too sure. And if it's too low, does Liv say no? Right? Like this is insulting. Uh, so. It's interesting to me. I know they have a ton of question marks uh, going into 2023 now now that we're in 2023. But but I think it's something that can't get overlooked is how much these franchises might sell for if they okay. do. Okay. So Liv was my number one. So do you want to just have the whole Liv conversation now or save it for later? I can I, I will answer or I will respond to your storyline, I guess in a more serious note by saying, I think that is a major, I think that is a major, major determining factor in terms of whether they have success in 2023 and beyond. I think there are a couple things, a couple like really big hinge points, right? Where if this goes in their direction, they are viable and really, really here to stay. And if a couple other things don't go in their direction, then I think that they could be, they could spontaneously combust, I think, in a shorter period of time than people think. But to go back to like this idea of ownership, I think that's a huge one, man. I think um, I was playing golf with somebody yesterday, or not yesterday, two days ago, who's, pretty in the know. I'm not, I'm not going to name names here, but pretty in the know with, he knows a lot of PGA tour players. He's, he's good friends with Homa. He's played a lot of golf with DJ. Um, he's, he's in the mix. He, he knows stuff. And, and he was basically letting me know like, yeah, that's the big one. The big, 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 I guess, inflection points, right? Like the big, 
the big turning points where if they get this, this is huge. And if they don't get this, it could go completely in the other way is that they're really invested in having these franchises be bought by, I don't know, you mentioned Jeff Bezos, but like AT&T, right? Like, and some of the players I know, for example, had money taken out of their front end deals to get equity in the franchise. So I don't know if there's enough interest there. My guess is that there's so much money to go around that there will be a couple companies that will say, hey, if you put, I don't know, Zaxby's Zaxby's chicken on don't the don't drag Zaxby's right now. Don't drag them <laughs> <laughs> on the uh on the left hand corner of the four aces journey. Like there's gotta be a couple companies that will do that, no? You would think, right? It's I mean, you only need 12 of them. It's not it's not too many, and there's plenty of sketchy companies out there <laughs> in the world. So yeah, it like you said, it's a big inflection point for live. I had it number five and Look, they're not making cash on any of these events. They're just bleeding money left and right. They're giving away tickets for free. So it really seems like their only possible way to generate any type of cash flow is by selling these 12 teams. But at the same time, who's going to want to be the owner of someone like Brooks Kepka? He's going to be like T.O. for them. <laughs> he, he just cannot be cooperative, I feel like. Or someone like, I don't know, like Kevin Na. Like who's going to buy a Kevin Na captain team? Uh, so there's just a lot of, a lot of question marks. And as you said, it, it's a big one is are, are these teams and selling these franchises? Is that your only live one on the list? That is my only one. I wanted to get, get it out of the way early. Okay. Let's live was my number one. So let's put a pause on live because I have a couple more questions to ask you about live. My live one is more big picture where I'm basically asking like, where is this into 2023? But I want to save that towards the end. I'll give you my, I'll give you my fifth. Can the United, and I'll pose it as a question to you. Can the United States win its first Ryder cup on European soil in 30 years? I mean, we already got the overlap. That was my number two. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Let's operate under the assumption that the old dusty Europeans are out of the picture. Okay. And right. and when I, you say that, you're referring to Westwood and Poulter and Sergio and those guys. Correct. And I'm interested to see first off if guys will play in the Italian Open. Because last time they were in France, there was one US player who traveled to play at Le Golf National. It was Justin Thomas. And he played right. quite he played quite fine in the Ryder Cup alongside Spieth. So I, I'm gonna imagine that a bunch of them go over there. Uh and then when also, is it, Patrick? Do you know by the way? Because I remember having this conversation with somebody and somebody was like, it's up against a pretty big PGA tour event. It just it was pretty recent because Fitzpatrick lost to Bobby Mack in a playoff. So it's it's closer to the end of the season, huh? It was. I don't know if it's still going to be. I haven't looked at the DP World Tour schedule for 23. Or right. if and the, the if Fitzpatrick like one, did anyone go? I don't believe so. Yeah. It was mid-September. So yeah, because like I remember Fitzpatrick lost in a playoff to someone, right? Yeah, it was the week before. Uh, never mind. I don't know. But yeah, mid-September. 
And then I, I honestly think those guys jumping ship was a blessing in disguise for Europe. Agreed. You, you have guys like Alex Noren, Thomas Peters. I know there's rumors around him. Bobby Mack, Sepp Straka, Seamus Power. These guys could easily make this European Ryder Cup team. And I mean, they, they can hold their own, I feel like. And the U.S. side, I don't want to say they could be upset, but there's some question marks, I think, on the back end. A lot of these guys I have agree. never played in Europe. They're very young. So like Colin Markawa hasn't been playing great. Salah Torres with the injury. Cameron Young, Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns. It'll all be their first trip to Europe. How are they going to handle it? Uh, so on paper, U.S. absolutely favored. But hundred percent, we, we've seen. Hey, is there a line already out? By the way, can you already bet on this? I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's around like minus one. Yeah, I, I can. I can effort this while you keep vamping on it. Here we go. Yeah, William Hill minus one ninety. Europe plus one seventy. Okay. That seems fair to me. My question to you for that is, do you think they're going to pull out all the stops at um, Marco Simone? Like, do you think that we're going to see a similar uh, situation to what we saw at Lake Golf National, where they grew the rough up and they really turned it into kind of like the opposite of what we saw at Whistling Straits, right? Where at Whistling Straits, you have this big 7,600-yard golf course it's essentially playing into the hands of, you know, just as a whole. I mean, you've got some bombers on the European side. Don't get me wrong, Rory, Rom, and Hovland. But I, you know, I think like what, 10 out of the 12 US team guys outside of maybe Spieth and Morikawa just absolutely destroy the ball. And so you go to a place like Whistling Straits and it's basically like, an execution style test. It's like, okay, like I think about, I went to the Ryder cup that year and I think about that final par three, which I think is 17. And it's basically a par three that asks you a very, very simple question. It's like, okay, can you hit a 220 yard four iron with a baby draw and land it softly on a small putting surface? And it just so happens that like, nine out of the 12 guys on the u.s team can do that and four out of the 12 european guys can do that right and so that ended up completely playing into the u.s hands i think what the european team would potentially do just because they've got a couple more you know guys that model their game a little bit more on accuracy right like a like guys like fleetwood and Hatton, I guess these kind of grinder types that have really, really excellent short games. And do you think that there's enough that the Europeans can do to trick up the course to favor their team? They'll find a way. I feel like they've they've got a year to do it now with Luke Donald at the helm, roughly a year, I want to say. So they'll find a way. They'll look into their analytics. You heard kind of Immelman talk about you know, his international an- analytics with Mark Brody on their team as well. So right. they obviously know a lot more than we do. Uh, so I think they'll easily find a way. And like you said, they have two of the two best drivers in the world with Rory and Rom. Fitzpatrick's quite good. Hovland, uh, Lowry's no slouch as well. So I think there's definitely a, not a clear path, but it might be a little shady, little shady path for the Europeans uh, to steal the cup back. And like you said, 30 years, this has to be the U.S.'s 
uh, best chance during that time, at least one of them, especially with this new regime coming in. We don't have any drama anymore. So it, it'll be interesting. And that's why that's why we're talking about it, obviously. Do you, if you had to make a bet now, would you take the U.S. like gun to your head? You had to bet this now, U.S. 190 or Euros plus 170. Where where would your money go? I'd, I'd take Europe. I think I would too. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, I'm kind of concerned about the young guys for the US. And I know like this day and age, age is really just a number, right? Like sure. You see like Tom Kim at 20 thrive at the President's Cup, but Morikawa is like kind of iffy these days, it feels like, especially with the putter. Sure. Salah Torres, who knows what he's going to be like coming back from the injury. Uh, Scheffler's had putting problems. Burns. Scheffler's had, Scheffler's had big time putting problems. Yep. And Burns hasn't looked great as of late. So, we could see someone like a Thagala get in the mix potentially. What if like Ross Henley makes a team or Keegan Bradley makes a team? You trust them to make a seven footer to win a match? I don't know. Yeah, there could be like, you know, never underestimate the no one believes in us factor. Like I, I feel like the um the Europe, it's almost like heat culture in the NBA, right? Where it, it kind of gets overblown, where it's like, oh, the the Europeans just have this like innate unquantifiable you know locker room aspect that carries them above that the u.s doesn't have i went to that Ryder cup uh last time at whistling straits i do feel like the u.s has closed the gap on that a little bit like i genuinely do believe that those guys really like each other like they have pairings that they can trust right spieth and jt like that's a pairing you can trust. Cantlay and Xander. Like those guys are a fucking machine together, right? There's I Burn Sheffler are best friends. Like I think the one reason why, yeah, if we're talking plus 170, minus 190 at this current moment in time, I'd probably lean Euros. I do think that the reason why the US is more of a force to be threatened with now is because they actually have been taking a little bit of a page out of the European side. And these guys actually like each other, right? Like, didn't it feel like, remember, remember a little bit earlier, we're, we're both the same age. So this is like kind of a little bit before our time, but I just for when I've done research to kind of look back at Ryder cups in, you know, the early 2000 and the late 1990s, like, the U.S. has always had a talent advantage from day one and essentially every single Ryder Cup since it started. But they've made some dumb decisions with the pairings. And like even Davis Love had some pairings that I was I, and I know they lead on analytics, but I was curious about at the President's Cup, too. So I, so in my opinion, the way that the Europeans win is if the U.S. can't get out of their own way. Okay. Yeah, I I could easily see that. And I don't think you can really underestimate the home crowd there. The scenes from sure. France were absolutely ridiculous. That first tee. That that was like a hundred feet in the air, it seemed like and doing the right. Viking clap and everything. Uh so yeah, talent wise, and like you said, these guys pretty much all grew up with each other playing junior golf, college golf, and kind of grew up with each other on the PGA tour. So it definitely helps that as well. Can you finagle your way to Italy? Are you thinking about going with CBS? 
I mean, I would love to, and um, people forget that I took one semester of Italian in college as well. And so <laughs> if they're like, even if they don't need a golf writer or a podcast or whatever it may be, I could be a real <laughs> asset as a translator, uh, spent some time in Naples, did not learn a lick of Italian there, some time in Rome as well. So I, I know the lay of the land pretty well. I know I can point out the Coliseum and whatnot. So uh, potentially as a translator, hopefully as a writer though. Uh, last question before we move on. Have they made an official stance on banning live players? Because I know John Rahm has been pretty vocal about like really wanting Sergio on the team. I, I, I don't think the stance uh, is firm yet. I uh, I saw a video. I didn't click on it. Of someone tweeted that uh, like Matt Fitzpatrick had some opinion on it. I'll have to dig it up, but I, I don't think anything's official yet. If you had to make an opinion, will we see any live players at the Ryder Cup? I'd say no. Um, Me too. I mean, one, like the talent isn't really there, to be honest with you. And right. I don't know how, like the OWGR, they have like two lists for their qualifying. Um, so it'll, it'll be tough for them to qualify. And I can't imagine Luke Donald picking any of them. Right. Okay. Let's go to... I did my five. You did your five. Let's go with your number four. All right. My number four is the new PGA Tour schedule. That was uh, an honorable mention for me. Let's talk about it. All right. So we got 13 elevated events, obviously. If you ask the PGA Tour, it's 12 elevated events in the Players' Championship, obviously. Right. Uh, and or it, the it's Administrator's come... Championship, as Craig Norman would call it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it's come out recently. These guys get one week of PTO, pretty much, where they can skip one event if 17 of the other guys are playing. Some some clause and that they, they overlooked. And uh, you got top 70 in the FedEx Cup now keep their cards. You got 10 people from the DP World Tour getting a card, 25 from the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously. So I'm not too concerned about these elevated events, tech, uh, really, because look, anytime you, anytime you can get these guys against each other more, you're probably going to get some sort of duel. It's going to be a good ending. Right. Uh, the odds, like you're just putting the odds in your favor and it's going to be make for great TV. And I'm sure you could appreciate it being a betting guy where some of these small time events are kind of where stars are born. You think about sure. Spieth, Spieth at the John Deere chipping in, you know, Bryson won the John Deere as well. So I'm concerned about these smaller time events. Matthew Wolf at the 3M Open, that was a great one as well. Sure. So kind of the fall schedule in that respect, where they had this idea of this international series that they scrapped almost immediately, kind of under the rug. And I'm just, I'm interested to see how it all comes together, if it'll work, if it's something they keep on going into 24 or if they make more changes. Cause this was kind of just duct taped together four months yeah. ago. In very Delaware. last minute. Yeah. yeah. Very so, reactionary response to Lev. So, so I'm expecting probably a, a decent amount of changes in 24, a, a big overhaul. And so that, that that's my number four. Do you like the courses that they chose? I believe it is, well, this week, Century Tournament of Champions is one. And then I believe it is, what, Harbortown, Phoenix, Bay Hill, uh, Memorial? Yeah. Genesis. Genesis, of course, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't think the Travelers is one. I think that was one they missed. No, I agree. I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Travelers. But do you think it's, I don't know, I think one of the biggest criticisms that the PGA tour has gotten. And I'm totally with this because I've never 
been able to get into WGs, WGCs either. But like, do you think these tournaments work? Like, for example, it's Century Tournament of Champions Week. It, you know, this is officially like the first elevated event of the season. I like I I haven't mentioned it in anything that I've written about or talked about on podcasts. So do you do you think this actually changes interest because my only question is you're getting to see them play for more money which i think we've kind of learned like fans don't really care about that much right that's why not a lot of people watch live that's why not a lot of people feel like an emotional resonance to the tour championship and i'm trying to figure out like how are these going to find a place in golf as something special other than the fact that they're playing for more money. Do you think a path even exists? I don't know if it'll feel any different from the viewer's perspective, but for the players, absolutely. I think that's kind of what they're going for. Does it help that you're getting the 20 best players in the world and Ricky Fowler in these tournaments? Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize for that drive-by for the Fowler family, but from the like from their perspective they're playing for a boatload more money it's more incentive not to go to live where you know all these guys pretty much had the conversation whether they want to admit it or not like sure you'd be stupid not to there's only a handful that didn't really uh so it was just really a way for them to kind of batten down the hatches and keep their their main guys and yeah and the clause that came out that no one really knew about i'm, I'm sure more of kind of that type of information i wouldn't be surprised if it comes out as well Wait, what clause? That they can skip one yeah. of these elevated events. Right, right. Cause that's why Rory isn't that's why Rory's not at the the Century Tournament of Champions. Yeah. I, I'm pretty curious too. I think the one thing that I do like is I believe that one of the things that I didn't love about WGCs is I wasn't a huge fan of the no cut to be honest with you. And, and I like that for the elevated events outside of this one that we have this one. I'm pretty sure all of them are like full field events have cuts. And I think what, what would be interesting is, and I think this is another change that I would make, but how do you feel? Cause I've talked about this before with Joseph Lamagna, um, who's been on the podcast before. What do you think about the idea of like really leaning in and having these events, be the only FedEx cup points, right? Because like as it stands now in 2023, doesn't an elevated event, you know, a $20 million event have the same amount of FedEx cup points as a non-elevated event. I think you might get five fifty for an elevated event. Uh, Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that but, enough of a difference? <laughs> I, I don't think so at all. Like, you win the Rocket Mortgage Classic against Taylor Pendrith or 120 guys, including the 20 best players in the world. Like, it, right. I, I agree with you that there definitely needs to be a, it shouldn't all be 500 and 550. They need to change it somehow. If it is that way, where it's only elevated events and yeah, I mean, only the guys who have played themselves in in a full field for those. I'd, I'd be open to that. Sure. I, but like you said, I think it definitely needs to change more drastically than a 50 point difference. They've also really told us nothing about 
how wasn't part of the idea of the elevated events is to create some like organic movement, right? To create ways where, like, for example, if I don't know, Kevin Strillman wins the John Deere, is he in the next elevated event? Like, we don't have we actually gotten any information about how this relegation system works and how certain other players can play themselves into the elevated events. Like, I feel like all that stuff's up in the air too. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I guess we'll find out where, I guess the Genesis of the first one or Phoenix is the first one, one of those two is, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure how a middle tier player, someone who's like 55th in the FedEx cup, how they would get into this event. Cause you would assume they would, if it's a full field. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my number four, which is a little bit of a different tone, but I'm really curious about the major venues this year. I think we have a really, really interesting set of major venues. I have gotten the chance to play Oak Hill. I love that course. I'm fascinated to see how that course plays on TV because uh, it is absolutely nothing and I mean nothing. And I even every time a season preview has said, oh, did you guys know that Jason Duffner won in 2013? It's a plotter course. I like it, it triggers me because this is a course that has undergone like a $50 million renovation and taken out 200 trees. I think it's going to be a bomber's paradise. But I'm very curious to see how Oak Hill and then LACC, which is a course that I've also played that for about a hundred years, members have said, no, we are good. Like we don't want that smoke. LACC is a course where they turn down big time Hollywood types. They turn down celebrities. They have really no interest in like being publicized in any way. And, and I think finally, Finally, with the 2017 Walker Cup, which went so well there, they kind of, for the first time, opened their doors to the USGA and said, okay, let's give it a shot. I think it's going to be a fascinating US Open. I mean, anytime you can get a US Open in Los Angeles, primetime golf, uh, the second biggest market in the country, I think we're in for a treat. Personally, I think that there should be a major on the West Coast every single year just because of the prime time aspect of it all. And then Royal Liverpool is a course with like a lot of really cool history. The last two winners were Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, and they've made some changes as well. They've basically said, we're going to create this like dramatic little severe runoff on four sides into death bunkers, tabletop green, 135 yard par 17th. That is, you know, almost supposed to act as like the 12th at Augusta and kind of strike fear into players as their, you know, second final iron shot of the round. But I'm really, really curious to see how these, uh, how these major venues plays out. What about you? You're uh, you're much more of the architect, uh, type of guy than I am. I'll admit that. But I mean, give yourself a pat on the back there. You you said LACC turns down Hollywood A listers, but <laughs> not Andy Lack. That boy gets that boy gets a tea time if he wants one. I do have one question about Oak Hill though. So okay. they, they selected it when the PGA championship was in August. Do you think how is there going to be a substantial difference, say yeah. rainy May and a dry August for Oak Hill? Yeah, there may be snow 
that's, Seriously, that's fantastic. which would be unreal. Um, no, I don't think there will be snow, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. It's going to be probably a little bit wet. And that's why I kind of keep going back to this is actually going to end up, you know, playing into some of the longer hitters hands because you're going to want a really big time carry distance because I don't think it's I like, I think LACC is going to play super freaking firm and fast because LA in the summer months get really hot. And a lot of those courses with, uh, the dormant Bermuda get, you know, they really let that shit bake out, but Oak Hill is going to be a totally different style of golf, right? It is, there isn't great weather in Rochester in May. There just isn't. That doesn't mean that it's not going to have a really interesting championship and they'll be able to play the course. But yeah, I think we've got like a pretty interesting dichotomy between the two American ones and then Royal Liverpool too. Royal Liverpool was a course that the last two times that they had it was one of the easiest courses on the open rota. Like they, I think Tiger and Rory both won something close to like 17 18 under par. Now, a lot of the open championship is, you know, wind effective. There's only so much they can do if we don't get wind, but they made some like serious changes to that course to provide some putback. There's a, there's a new T on like seven different holes. I told you they created this new par three. So I think we're in for a pretty fascinating year of major venues. Okay, I can get behind that. Especially, I mean, you're batting 500 here. You might as well get a tea time at Augusta and Hoylake while you're at it, you know? Dude, I know. I know. <laughs> Give me your real quick, like, zero thought, just first name that comes to mind, winner of each. Who wins the 2023 Masters? Uh, your boy, Xander. Fuck yeah. I'm going to go uh, with Rom. Okay, that's a Who wins Okel? Uh, after what you said, I'll go with Rom. Okay. I'll go Rory there. Uh, okay. he, he, Rory's an honorary member of Oak Hill, by the way, his wife is from Rochester. Um, so he's got some connections and ties there. LACC. Uh, I want Cantlay to bag one, but I kind of think fee now will. So I'll go with, I'll go with town. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll go Xander. Don't underestimate Homa though. Because Homa's Homa's played that course a bunch. He's an LA guy. I think that'll be a cool, even more Kawa too. Some of those LA guys, I think that'll be a cool major for a guy like Morikawa or Homa. And then uh Liverpool. Who wins Liverpool? I'll just I'll just go with Cam Young, just uh just cause. No real basis behind it. Yeah, I like that. I'll go Fleetwood. All right, give me your number four. All right, number number three. We're Is it number three. three? Yeah. Yep. This one not really more of a not really a storyline. I just I just listed players' names. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was one win guys from 2022. Okay, hit me with them. JT, Spieth, and Rom. Mm-hmm. I, I know Rom won three times, but one time on the PGA Tour. Right. Argu- arguably the Corn Ferry Tour that event. Allegedly, but, some are yeah. still asking the question about the viability of Vidanta Vallarta. So I'm I'm extremely interested how these guys are going to fare this upcoming year. You have Justin Thomas. He's only won twice the last two seasons. He needed a world of help at the PGA Championship. Mm. I, I mean, seven strokes going into the final day. He easily could have been shut out 
obviously he wasn't he's won two of the big, biggest championships the past two seasons but but I'm nothing pretty- else right that's the weird thing about jt is he went from being this guy who racked up 14 pga tour wins before the age of 27 and now he's in this stage of his career where he's winning once a year but it's one of the biggest five events of the year exactly so i, I would i'm always like it's tough to be critical of a 15 time pga tour winner but you would want to see someone like Justin Thomas win two to three times, but obviously with the new event, winning might be a bit more difficult. So maybe he gets up to the challenge more with these elevated events, kind of gets the head right going into these. So I'm interested to him for him, kind of the quantity. Uh, and then for Spieth, it's more of the quality. He's won twice after going through that dip in his career, but right. he beat Charlie Hoffman in the Texas Open and he got just kind of like JT at uh, the PGA. He got a world of help at the Heritage as well. Oh, he sure did. He, like, big, he, big old Sep was right there. He had a big time chance. Lowry chipped it into the water right on like 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Can't, so, can't, Cantlay was right there. Cantlay was in the playoff, right? Yeah, plugged in the bunker. So, yeah. <laughs> so if Spieth is truly back, he obviously had a great President's Cup there. Uh, he, he needs to win one of these elevated events. Uh, statistically like T to green, he was pretty much the exact same the last two years, but he lost about half a stroke more on the greens per round. So we've all seen the clips. We all, we've all seen Jordan Spieth miss putts left-handed miss putts from one feet, and he's got to figure it out this year. Uh, he's about to be 30. And I think if he wants to, I don't think he'll ever get back to that 2015 type play, but if he wants to inch closer to it, I think it's a massive season for Jordan Spieth. And then, John Rahm, I, I think he might just be on like a revenge tour this year or I'm something. I'm kind of with you. I think he's got a big year in store. Yeah, I, I think he's just going to murder people. Like it's going to be ridiculous. I think like four or five wins potentially. Yeah, ho- ho- another major championship. So that's. I know it's not much of a storyline, but I wanted to talk about those three guys. Who Who would you say you're most confident in of the three? Rom. Yeah, has to be right. Yeah. Who do you who do you think needs it more? Like who do who do you think needs a big season more? Is it Rom? Is it JT or is it Spieth? I kind of think it's Spieth just because I don't know if he's really there in the the elites. He's kind of on the outskirts still. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think he's like what it. He kind of feels like. I don't know, the 14th best player in the world right now. Whereas I still think Rom and JT are both solidified in like the top seven. You know, the bummer about Spieth, I thought last year the major venues were kind of perfect for him. Like I, I, and I talked about this in all my 2022 season previews that I thought I loved the way that the major venues set up for him. Can't say I love him as much this year but yeah i agree it's interesting we've got this and you know my number three is kind of talking about the guys a little bit younger now but we've got this kind of thing where those guys like jt rom xander cantlay spieth like those class of players that are all between what 27 and 30 they're no longer like the young bucks, right? Like the, there's this massive crop of young bucks that are 
instantly awesome and completely fearless and contending in major championships, contending in major championships right off the bat. I'm interested in that one too. And I'll use that to, I'll, I'll use that to talk about my, my number three, which was which of the young star powerhouses kind of, of those players under 26, I'm talking about Morikawa, Hovland, Zalatoris, Cam Young, like of those guys. Yeah, I would even throw Tom Kim and Sahith Tagala and Taylor Montgomery in there too. Like of those guys, who do you think is more likely to assert themselves and have that kind of Scheffler year? Or do you think it's kind of like a rotating cast of they're just kind of battling it all season? Or do you think one of those guys emerges as like, okay, this is the guy? I think if I had to peg someone to like kind of have a Scheffler year, I, I think it's got to be Sungjae for me. And I didn't even mention Sungjae wasn't even part of that list that I threw out. So you think Sungjae, you'd go Sungjae in terms of a better 2023 than Morikawa, Hovland, Zalatoris, Cambia, Scheffler. That's a good take. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it. I think I like uh, that take. I've been I've been high on Morikawa, but. Yeah, I'll stick with Sungjae. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how close he was to winning the FedEx Cup. Like he made a double bogey on 14 and still only lost by one stroke, which is pretty unbelievable. And he had, I think, a couple other runner up there. And he started. It's not like he got any help, right? Like he started. He he won the shadow leaderboard, right? Yeah, he must have. Yeah, yeah. So m- maybe Tom Kim winning a couple times kind of kicks him in the ass a little bit. I I don't know how his married life will be. Hopefully that helps, right? Maybe grounds him a little bit. Uh, You're talking about Sungjae, right? Tom Kim didn't get married. Sung, did he? Yeah, Sung Sungjae got married. Okay, that's right. I remember saying that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'll stick. I'll stick with Sungjae, but I think Morikawa. He, he, I don't want to say he'll be on like a revenge tour, but he definitely seemed pissed off towards the end of 2022, and he's kind of intriguing to me. Where is he going to use that chip on his shoulder that? you know, every golfer creates type of deal for good, or is it going to hinder him type of deal? Do you think any of those guys can pull off a Scheffler season? Because the thing that I struggle with is I just think there's so much parody that I just think guys are going to just beat up on each other every week. But do you think there is a, do you think any of those guys have in them a three win one major season? I don't think any of the young guys do, especially with the new uh, schedule where they're going to be playing the best events every time. And so winning in general has just gotten harder uh, yeah. compared to last year. So I don't think any of the young guys do. But, you know, if you ask me, John Rom can do that. Yeah, I think John Rom could do that. But none of the young guys. Uh, we're having this conversation exact same time next year. Who is number one in the world? I'll go John Rom. Hmm. Interesting. I think Rory has it. I think, I think it sticks with Rory. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, give me your, did you do, did you do number three yet? I did, and then you took my number two already, the Ryder Cup. Okay, so I'll go number two then. Rory, that sound. Sorry. <laughs> Rory needs to win a major, right? Like I, I just, I think we're at the point with this guy where, and I not, I try not to get too married to the statistics. I know at the end of the day, nothing is going to be written in the, in the, uh, in the history books about Rory's strokes gain number. They're going to talk about how much he wins, but if you really dive into the numbers with Rory, it's truly astonishing how good he was this past season and how little he's got out of it in terms of trophies. He won what the CJ Cup and the Canadian Open. You know, he gained like 2.75 true strokes per round over the last 12 months. That's like a quarter of a stroke better than the number two that was Scotty Scheffler. I mean, he is playing truly right now. Statistically, this is the best golf he's ever played in his entire life. Now, it's not the most he's won in his entire life, but if you look at his numbers, this is the most well-rounded that he's ever been. He is like has right now statistically never gets talked about like a top 10 short game in the world. He gained 10 strokes putting at the U S open. Obviously he's still probably the second best driver of the ball in the world to John Rom, maybe third, if you want to throw cam young in there. But I think it's, we've kind of reached the point with Rory where it's like, and this is a compliment you're only going to be judged on major championships now. And I think more than anyone in terms of like the historical context of the truly great players that are playing golf right now, 
Rory fucking needs to win a major this year. So the season that he just had, statistically unbelievable, like you said, but a little down on trophies. Do you think he takes confidence from that, or do you think he's more kind of down in the dumps? Because we we saw it both this year with Rory, right? We saw him down in the dumps at the Open, obviously. Yeah. He, was de- he was dejected after the PGA Championship as well, where he led after the first round. Could have could have if you told him on Sunday that you got to be what was it like minus five or something at the end of the day, right? Like, so we've seen it both ways. And then obviously the masters was the other end of the spectrum chipping in from the bunker. So do you think he goes into 2023, you know, renewed fresh energy? Yeah. I'm gaining 2.7 a day on these guys, or is it more like, damn, I I really let up a chance there at the open, uh, at the PGA championship to add a couple. It's a good question. And, you know, people talk about, like, I've heard people say, like, Rory's a choker, right? He has the highest win rate in the modern area, not named Tiger Woods, right? Like, he he wins more golf tournaments at a higher percentage than anyone in the world, not named Tiger Woods. But in fairness, it does seem, it does feel a lot of the time where when the spotlight is the brightest, he struggles, right? St. Andrews. Um, that was something that he was like, one of the things I like about Rory and, and I've talked about this with your coworker, Kyle Porter before is like, he is really freaking genuine. He wears his emotions on his sleeves and he's not afraid to be the guy and say, yeah, you know what? I stood outside of my hotel room on the hotel room balcony the night before the open championship. And I looked at that leaderboard and I thought about how much that would mean to me. Right. And I don't think that's in Cam Smith's DNA. Right. And that is the blessing and the curse that you get with Rory McElroy is that he really cares. He cares about the game. He cares about his place in the game. He, I mean, he gets emotional about the game, right? He's a guy, there's a guy crying at the Ryder cup. Right. And like I said, I think that is in many times that helps him. And in many times that ends up being his greatest downfall. And so I think to kind of come full circle with your question, I think that when the expectations are the highest on him. Like I have a bold take in the sense that I think that he is going to be the most talked about player heading into the masters. I think he'll be the number one storyline heading into the masters outside of, you know, the live guys and he's not going to play well. And then I think when everyone's kind of starting to get a little bit more down on Rory, he's going to win the PGA championship at Oak Hill. So, I struggle with the, does this guy almost want it too much, right? And that's what I sometimes worry about with Rory, if that remotely answers your question. I I mean, that would be pretty reminiscent of what, 20-something, 2011? When when did he bag the U.S. Open? 2011? When did he choke the Masters? 2010? Yeah, it went, he choked that Masters and then didn't he win Congressional the next year? Yes, something like that. But yeah. uh yeah, I don't know. That was kind of my number one as well, kind of grand grand slam conversation, so to speak, yeah. with with the uh, asterisk next to Rory. Uh yeah, I mean, 
like you said, he's only going to be judged by his major championships moving forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if he won one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't win any. But he doesn't really, for as good of finishes as he has, it's obviously like a running joke, the backdoor top 10 in major championships. He hasn't had like a ton of great chances, it seems like, for someone of his quality like no, sustained the, quality yeah the masters second place finish like i've heard a bunch of people say oh he's got all this great momentum heading into the masters yes he does but i mean he was not in that tournament at all no yeah and scotty scheffler <laughs> four putted the last hole like let's not forget that either <laughs> right and he's still one by two right <laughs> yeah so i'd like to see him he was obviously there at st andrews probably had a didn't know he had a chance at the PGA championship. Didn't have a chance at the masters. I'd like to see him in the mix. At least. I mean, he is the best player in the world. And like you said, statistically, he's a quarter stroke better than the second best guy. I don't think it's too much to ask being in the mix in two, maybe three major championships this year on the back nine on Sunday. Gun to your head. Do you think he wins one this year? I'll say no. Yeah. I mean, that's probably like the smart money choice. I'm a, I'm too romantic and I, I'd step in front of moving traffic for Rory. He's just, <laughs> a, <laughs> I love the guy so much, but yeah, I think he gets it done this year, but I, I, I can't say I'm tremendously optimistic about it. That was your number one. Yeah. Well, you kind of, you kind of had it tied into, right. Cause there's other, um, there's other grand slam opportunities, right. With Spieth. Yeah, Spieth at Oak Hill, and then I'd kind I'd kind of like you know the conversation's getting a, a little bit stale. I'd like someone else to kind of interject in there. You got Morikawa who needs the Masters in the U.S. Open. Yeah, Brooks. I mean, he's still going to be around. He needs the Masters in the the Open. DJ needs the PGA in the Open. And Phil, I mean, who the hell knows with that guy? Maybe he could find magic. I wouldn't be surprised if he finds <laughs> magic somewhere. And then, yeah, so I'd, I'd love someone else to kind of get into that conversation. Uh, and, you know, maybe even that would kind of put the pressure off Rory a little bit, too. What do you think's more likely, Rory completing it at Augusta or Spieth completing it at Oak Hill? Oh, uh, Rory. I agree. I don't think Oak Hill's a good course for Spieth at all. And the Masters. I mean, you think about that field, like, yeah. smaller field, less guys. Yeah. Okay, I will give you... So my number one, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Liv before before we get going. But my biggest question with Liv is, and I'll I'll pose it to you. What do you what do you think the conversation is about Liv six months from now, a year from now? Are they in a better or worse place than they were in to end 2022? I think they're gonna seriously struggle to retain what any relevance they have because I agree. It seems as if the talent pool they're dipping from is running dry. Um, Agree. And the only relevance they have had is because of PGA, the PGA Tour, what players have done on the PGA Tour, and what players have done in the major championships. And obviously, they're, they're still going to be in major championships. But as time goes on in the future, they're going to play in dwindling numbers. Uh, guys probably... Are gonna these contracts are four years. I, I'm honestly interested. I know you said six months. I'm in, interested to see what happens in four years when these contracts run up. Are people gonna try to go back in Q school and try to get back on the PGA tour? Like Joaquin Neiman's what, like 22 or something? Well, let me ask you this question, Patrick. If let's just say hypothetically in four years, Liv is done 
And by the way, I don't know if I would bet on that. It's like really hard to ever stick a fork in Lev because it is a company funded by an organization that literally is like it has a bottomless pit of money and has proven so far that they are pretty okay with lighting money on fire, at least at the beginning. The guy I was playing golf with that is a, a lot more closer to a lot of these situations than I am. He's like, yeah, the misconception with the Saudis are is that yes, they have a ton of money, but they're not like chill with operating at a loss for five years, right? Like that's that's really not in their DNA. That's not what they're trying to do. And they will after a certain point, if they get no traction, they're not going to fucking do it anymore. They're just not. They're going to be, they're going to be done with it if it doesn't get, if it doesn't get any leverage. And I think a lot of that, to be honest with you, is based on two things. The first one is, do they get a TV deal? I will pose that question to you first, and then I'll say the other one. Uh, Will they? Uh, Will they? It won't be for my company. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I saw some guy for Sports Business uh, Journal predict the CW as no uh, way uh, as a potential he's predicting <laughs> what's going to happen in 2023. Could you imagine <laughs> like Smallville Riverdale reruns and Dude, then gossip boom, girl. Yeah. Live Chicago. <laughs> Let's go. David Faraday on the mic. I, I I'm going to say yes. I don't know who the hell it's going to be with, but I'm, I'm sure some like given the fact that they'll do all the work on the back end and everything, I'm yeah. sure someone, someone will eventually bite. FS one. Maybe feels like a good fit for them, even though it. I think they they kind of tried there, and maybe the relationship soured a little bit. I I'm with you. I would say that they get one, but I'm not incredibly optimistic that it changes everything the way that other people think that it changes everything second live question for you who's the biggest guy that they get in 2023 maybe mito Pereira. Uh, i mean he's pretty much good as gone uh you think so yeah so i'm with you on that one and i was actually like going through this because i'm i'm in a uh, season-long fantasy draft right now and it's like no one knows where to draft mito did you see that photo of him at sergio's charity event where it's basically the entire live roster and then mito yeah, I've heard inklings of Mito since the week before the U.S. Open, and that's right. when that's when I first heard of Brooks and Neiman and and Neiman's like Mito's best friend, right? Exactly. And the thing amongst them, I mean, per secondhand Brooks was like, you don't want to be the last person to the party type of deal with sure. the money. So, and Mito's right now is probably going to be the last person to the party. So, I, I think he'll go. It's all speculation, obviously, but. I don't really know what other big name. I mean, is Patrick Antlin and Xander Shoffley playing this week a blow to live golf? Probably, right? I know those. I know you don't want to hear it, but those <laughs> those names were floated out there by a random account with 50 followers. <laughs> so that's as good as true these days. So, yeah, Thomas Peters, I heard that name as well. I'm sure you have too. But yeah. I don't really think it's going to be anyone too relevant. And what they really need to happen is someone like Eugenio uh, Chikara to local qualify for the U S open and win that somehow. Right. So they can prove to the young guys that you can come over here and be fine, but let's be honest, that's probably not going to happen over under. Do you think a live player wins a major this year? 
Ooh, so we got Brooks, Bryson, DJ, Cam, Reed, Neiman. Yeah. I'd I'd take the field personally. I would say no, but I do think DJ I do like these venues for DJ. I actually like these venues for DJ more than I like them for Cam Smith, even though Cam Smith feels like a better player right now. Um, I want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier with Xander and Cantley. I think that Liv needs to get Xander and Cantley for this thing to work. I really do. I think those are the two guys that Liv needs to be pulling out all the stops for. Because suddenly, if you get Xander and Cantley, then, then that changes the conversation a lot. Because right now, as it stands right now, despite Cam Young being a great player, despite DJ being a great player, despite Neiman being a great player, and kind of we we don't know where Brooks or Bryson are at right now, but we've seen their ceiling is as good as the number one player in the world. Um, but there's undeniably a talent gap, right? So like, for example, if the PGA tour versus live played a Ryder cup style match, like the U S is at least minus minus one fifty, if not more, but say live gets Cantley and Xander who, you know, I, it feels kind of silly to give those guys 800 million because they wouldn't be recognized in a fucking grocery store, but they're also two of the eight best players in the world, like completely bona fide. like Xander and Cantley. You suddenly get, if you get Xander and Cantley, then what's the line on a live versus PGA tour Ryder cup. It's like closer to a pick them. So they're two bona fide top eight guys in the world. I'm I'm going to push back. I don't, I don't think those two would do enough just because I've just because in, they're not marketable enough. Exactly. I've fallen yeah. in the camp that they're just trying to get and KP brought it up. He's surprised he, they haven't kind of leaned in on more like influencer types. I, I know that they, they have you some, know, but that's it. That's actually a good take. Like, would you be totally shocked? And they mentioned this on um, no laying up talk to, a little bit about this on their season preview a couple of weeks ago, but like, would you be shocked if they brought in like Jake Paul? No, nothing would shock me with them. Like I expect Cristiano Ronaldo on the first tee coming up this upcoming season, to be honest with you. Seriously. I think they kind of are almost at the point where they just need to make splashes in some way that they can to stay relevant because, you know, hopefully you would want to see with a startup and I've always struggled with calling them a startup because most startups don't have billions of dollars of cash, like at their threshold from day one, certainly not the startups that I'm I've worked at before or the ones that I'm aware of, but you know, I don't under, I, I don't really know what, I don't really know what they're, what their momentum can be going forward if you're not getting continuing to get these big splashes, right? Like I think part of the reason one of the things that live, I thought did really well last year. And I think there are a lot of stupid people in the live building making decisions, but I do think there are some smart ones too. I thought their PR strategy around the way that they announced the players 
was actually like pretty smart and pretty shrewd. From my understanding, a lot of these signings happened like way earlier. Like I think from what I've heard, Bryson was in like months before he came out and said it. Same with DJ, right? But what they were able to do was create this rumor mill type situation, which is what has been so good to football and NBA in the offseason, which is basically why you see Kevin Durant. Is Kevin Durant going to the Warriors as the number one topic on first take in July when there's no basketball even happening? Like I think Liv has done a really good job of kind of, I don't know, leaning into the like, let's create some drama let's create some speculation let's kind of try and own the off season and let's roll these players out very specifically at certain times so the attention is kind of always on us right i think if they just if they just launch out all of their players at the exact same time i don't think people are talking about it live as much as if they didn't go with the strategy that they just did where it's kind of like you're always on your toe wondering but once you run out of new guys to announce, no one watches the golf. And at some point, like that has to come back and bite you, no? Exa- no, exactly. I totally agree. You make a great point. And yeah, just slowly leaking these guys out instead of just dumping it all at once. They kind of retained some relevance that they that was wouldn't, smart. wouldn't have yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was smart. Anything else on Liv? Any like big lingering questions for you on Liv? I I got nothing. I've I've talked enough about Liv <laughs> through, throughout December, and so I'm good. Unless you if unless you want to continue, please go no, ahead. No, no, I I got nothing else. Do you have any um any honorable mentions that we didn't mention that you want to throw out there before we get out of here, my friend? Yeah, I, I have two. I have what okay. will Scotty Scheffler do? For an okay. encore. That's a good one. And my next one is Will Charlie Woods win an AJGA event? <laughs> Let's start with Scheffler. I think he wins once this year. I don't I don't think his pace from last year was at all sustainable. I also think that he's like earned he's earned some leeway, right? Like I I, I think if the narrative, if Scheffler wins one time next year and the narrative is like oh Scheffler's cooked I, I think that's kind of bullshit I don't I don't really think the expectation should be that he has a similar season to the one that he did in 2022 where everything just broke right for him but I think he wins a tournament and I think he is relevant at a and when I say relevant like he's kind of in the mix on a Sunday at a major, but that would be my prediction for Scheffler. What about you? I'd agree with that. And, and I mean, this day and age, something like that, a win, a back nine contention at a major and a, a strong performance for Team USA in the team event, that's a pretty damn good season this day and age. So yeah, I, I could totally see him doing something like that. He's a good Ryder Cup guy too. Although I wonder who they'll, with no Bryson, I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember off the top of my head. Who did he play with at the President's Cup? Was it Burns a bunch? Because Burns is kind of this guy. Yeah, they they didn't win one. They didn't win. Bryson and Scheffler were electric. <laughs> I'm going to miss that one. Seriously, I remember following that group. That shit was fucking electric. 
that that is part of uh things to leave behind in 2022 I, it just reminded me of uh Remember when like all the players were bitching about uh, not getting their putts conceded, like Shane Lowry, JT Justin Thomas, obviously king of that, yeah, yeah, and did it at the Presidents Cup. But remember when Bryson did it with his like fucking twelve foot long putter? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the leather, guys. It's in the yeah, leather. <laughs> the most Bryson moment ever. And then, okay, give me uh, Charlie Woods. Do you have any takes? No. <laughs> <laughs> literally zero where do you fall on the um where do you fall on the spectrum of the charlie woods discourse are you like guys like chill he's 13 or are you like guys chill with the moral high ground shit i kind of just like to make fun of everyone so if you're <laughs> gate if you're gatekeeping the content like guys this is what we have to tweet today you know charlie charlie and tiger let's enjoy it right this is all we want with our our families i don't like no don't tell people what to do out there who cares and then the people who are like tweeting every single second about the guy okay maybe you yeah. know rein it in a little bit go it's play in traffic bit. or something <laughs> go touch uh, grass yeah exactly so i kind of <laughs> just tend to make fun of everyone when i'll give you i had two quick honorable mentions too over under tiger finishes top 20 this year at any event could be a major i, I don't know if he's going to play anything else other than the majors does tiger have one top 20 this year no yeah probably right probably right what do you think his best chances augusta uh hot and steamy augusta georgia yeah i think actually i think he actually has a better chance at liverpool than augusta would be my would be my take but i still i don't know i i think even that let's let's zoom out and be a little more lenient do you think he makes a cut at any of the majors this year oh yeah i agree uh, i think yeah. he'll make the cut at the masters yeah and the british yeah do you think he plays any other events other than the three the four majors i, I want to say like riviera it it would mm. make sense it's one of the elevated events yeah I, i'll say that one but i, I don't think he'll play the players yeah, I agree. I don't think he'll play any of them. I, I think he'll just play the four majors again, which, I mean, we can quibble with whether that's like the most strategically sound way to go about it, because I think you could make an argument that he needs reps, but you could also make an argument that why would you put your body through more when you can just save your body for the four ones that really count? Um, yep. My final, my final honorable mention is what is Bryson's role in golf by the end of 2023? I mean, is this a situation where we're having this conversation this time next year and dissecting Bryson and Tim Tebow's YouTube video, or is this a guy that almost fucking won O'Kell? I think, I think there's a chance he contends at a major championship. I agree. Uh, as particularly Ocal. I like what, uh, I mean, it's going to sound kind of sus, but I like what he's done with his body, getting <laughs> it back right. But yeah, and it sounds like he's kind of re-energized here now. 
he's obviously been talking about his uh, sports complex in Dallas and everything. And I, I think he he didn't play great in live at all, but I, I think he's just too big of a talent to not put himself in contention once in my mm-hmm. mind. But I don't know if that's enough to put him back into relevance at the same time. Total money earned at the four major champions next year, because if I'm correct on this, I think these guys are exempt into all four Brooks or Bryson. Ooh, I think, I think I'd go, uh, I think I'd go Bryson. I think I would too. Total money earned at the majors this year, Cam Smith or Dustin Johnson. I'd go DJ. I like DJ a lot. Me too. Uh, I like DJ a lot at these venues. Yeah. Patrick, I don't have anything else, buddy. You got anything else? Things we're leaving behind in 2022. Patrick Reed's interior designer. I don't know who (laughs) found his, I forget who found his house online, but it looks like a log cabin made love to a medieval (laughs) castle. So whoever designed that place, we're leaving them in 2022. We're looking forward to these storylines in 23, keeping our head on the uh, straight and narrow. That's the last I got for you. <laughs> Risky business, right there. You might get a. You might get added to his lawsuit pretty soon. Oh, no. P- Patrick, stick together for the most part. You know, we're allowed to poke at each other. Speaking of Patrick, that is Patrick McDonald. Everybody, he is a wonderful golf writer for CBS Sports. You can find his work on CBSSports.com. You could find him on the First Cup podcast. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here, my friend? I got nothing. You kind of hit hit a uh, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, Andy. We should do it more often. And we will. Uh, yeah, this ha- could ha- be our. This could be a little. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'll have you on the podcast again before uh, January 2024. But this, I like this as a potential fun tradition. All right, lock it in. All right, buddy. It was good to see you, my friend. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to my good friend, Patrick McDonald. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. We will be back on here next week talking Sony Open. Again, do not know if I'm going to be able to get out a Sunday preview. I am hoping to, but I will also be in Las Vegas this weekend with Rick and Steve Hennessy and uh, Joey Doney and a whole bunch of other guys were doing that big season-long fantasy golf draft. Going to be playing a lot of golf there. I'm checking out Shadow Creek for the first time, I believe, on Sunday. So we will see about that, but I will absolutely be back on Tuesday on the feed, breaking down some bets for the Sony Open. And as well, I forgot to mention at the top, if you're looking for more... uh, hashtag picks for me i've just started this new series with odds checker where my good friend jeff feinberg and i will be breaking down the board every week that video goes live on you know monday early afternoon so uh i please encourage you to check that out that is for odds checker and good luck with the rest of your bets this weekend and we'll see you next time cheers If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead shed the back roads stop